0: From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon. It is the 30th of September, the final day of the month. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. I'm Nadine Blaney here with Cara
1: Ordway. Hey, how are you doing? A green day finally after two pretty shocking days
0: on the market. What a day. So we have uh well we didn't quite make up losses that we have seen over the past couple of sessions however it's looking more positive as we head toward the final day of the week um What do you put it down to? Just a buy-the-dip mentality? Yeah, I think so.
1: Finishing up over 1.7% on the day. Of course, material space doing well. With that news of the closure of the FMG iron ore plant in WA. So some of those miners doing very well. Iron ore price up 10%. But yeah, I think so. Talking to the technical guys there, it's just kind of buying on levels that they saw after pretty pretty heavy two days on the market. Yeah,
0: 7,332 is where the XJO finished up by 1.8%. So, so far, we started the day. Um, You know, down significantly on the week. But on the week, we're now just off by about half of 1%. So what a difference a day can make. Let's take a look at uh, some of the big performers. And uh, if you look to the losers, look no further than Pinnacle, which I think is interesting for the second day in a row. In fact, down by, yeah, more than 3%. Now, if we look at some of the winners um, in terms of percentage change, of course, on the 200, Orica. Orica had a number of broker notes out, price target revisions, doing so well, up by 14.5%. Same story for Coden as well, and Beach Energy was one of the outperformers. But it was so interesting to look down, Kara, and see that there was not a sector into negative territory. No, you just can't.
1: Like keep in mind, I haven't yeah. been on air since 10. <laughs> <laughs> but it is also the end of the month. I just remember that it's the end of yeah. September, right? So a bit of repositioning maybe as we head into October. And that September flew by.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> t- yeah, sure did. And maybe some people are happy to see the end of September if you consider, uh, you know, it's known as a weak month traditionally. But uh, iron ore going a very long way toward that. All right. Uh, so we've got a couple of interviews because, again, uh, the overarching theme is still low rates. Uh, it's still inflation. And I had a good chat with Dan Gerard from Straight State Street Global Markets today. And he's just saying, look... Inflation's transitory. He's in that camp. He does not think that U.S. earnings season is going to be marked by a lot of commentary about companies um, talking about the impact on their bottom line. In fact, he's looking forward to a really strong U.S. earnings season still.
1: So really, does that mean that it's just the
0: macro focus? I mean, I had a chat with Fraser McLeod
1: on this afternoon and he said, really, it's just the macro focus driving this market at the moment, which makes him very cautious. And he kind of went through some of the sectors as to why that is. But uh, I mean, he thinks that we've seen the top now in this market.
0: He does, Very it. interesting. Did you have a chat with him just by chance about uranium? Uh, he does love a bit of uranium. <laughs> yes, a bit of paladin energy uranium in there. Uranium kind of come off the boil <laughs> as of late as well, speaking of. And Zach Riaz, you can access these interviews via the show notes from Tree Investment Group. He has three stocks to pick up in this low interest rate environment.
1: Yeah, and also we had Andrew Andrew Wyland from DP Wealth Advisory on this morning, uh, talking of that backdrop. Three ETFs to take advantage of rising inflation, energy prices, and bond yields. It seems like they're the three themes of the Those market are at the, the moment. Three yeah, themes,
0: you know, knock the Fed in there, and what's, uh, you know, it's all it all comes back in on one another, no doubt. But while we're on equities, Carl, let's just get to the future fund stock series. So this is, uh, AKA the stock of the day on the call. Sakashi had a word with Ben Clark from TMS Capital and MF, um, and, um, also Owen Raskowitz from Rask Australia. I almost gave it away. Oh my gosh. To find out what companies they would buy now hold in hopes that they could pay for their kids. Exy, very exy or future children. Don't know. In the case of Owen, (laughs) um, education. So let's take a listen.
2: A little bit of a cheat here, Koshi, but I picked a, a listed investment company, um, which is called MFS. If you buy shares in this one, um, this one stock, you effectively get exposure to businesses like Visa, MasterCard, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, etc. The advantage with this one is you get exposure to some of the fastest growing businesses in the world. Um, it also pays quite a nice dividend, which um, they've decided they're going to um, effectively double over the next um, couple of years. So there'll be a bit of income starting to spit back out of it, which can help meet those um, those uh, school costs. The thing that I would be looking for if I was building a portfolio for children is basically something that you have very high conviction will still be around in 18 or 21 years or however long you've got to invest that money for them. Uh, the company they went with is Disney. You know, Disney is coming up on its 100-year birthday so it's almost a hundred years old and if you think about business models and how rapidly they change i think the one thing that stands the test of time is basically brand value and kids and adults alike still want to be entertained and if you look at some of the brands like marvel um any of the sporting brand stakes in like espn uh these types of things you've got the theme parks so many great you know call options embedded in this business things that they still haven't truly monetized as well as they can.
0: So not going in the Ozbiz fantasy portfolio because, as you know, we're doing something a little different for the next couple of weeks, Cara, but um, one to listen to if you're looking for one of those bottom drawer ideas.
1: Well, what's on the table tomorrow? I'm always focused on the Australian dollar. And one of the questions that I was asking a lot of analysts this week is we're having such big risk off sessions. And yet the Australian dollar wasn't falling suit. It did Mm -hmm. follow suit last night, finally, dropping below that 72 handle. Uh, But the outlook doesn't look good if you look at the key levels at the moment. We've got Elias Spivak from Daily FX on tomorrow. So I'm keen to find out what he thinks when it comes to local unit.
0: That would be really good. And I forgot to mention in all of that, we did have China data today. We did, PMI. As I mentioned, I wasn't on air a whole lot this afternoon. Um, But if any indication of how the markets did around the region, clearly there was nothing too much to see there.
1: Yeah, and also they're heading into a bank holiday as well. So maybe a bit of a lull for them. But of course, it's just the story of inflation, isn't it? And, And a consistent story that we're seeing out of China at the moment. That overground story just seems to be keep on popping up in those interviews.
0: Well, we will see. Of course, we've got Morgan Stanley weighing in, saying that China is at the inflection point of more f- cyclical policy easing and ongoing rapid growth slowdown. However, um, apart from China Tech, I mean, Hong Kong was down just uh, a little bit, and we saw the Kospi in Korea gaining. Um, just on your holiday point in terms of China, I was reading something earlier today. I actually can't remember what publication it was in, so I won't (laughs) won't go too far into it. But just saying that in terms of Evergrande, this holiday period might be a time that the Chinese authorities could look to take out some trash, clear the decks, however you want to put it. So we will still be on Evergrande watch, I think, over the next few days.
1: Yeah, basically everyone's got that list, don't they, of those coupon payments. They've lined them up with the dates. So there's still a long, long story when it comes to that one. Do we have any data here tomorrow, Cara, that could move around that your beloved Australian dollar? (laughs) Well, it is the first Friday of the month, but I thought it's actually not non-farm payroll Friday, is it? It comes next week. Um, So they've obviously delayed that data, and of course there was the concerns there that uh, that data wouldn't actually come because of the government um, debt ceiling and the the government shutdown, but
0: it seems to be resolved at this point. I think it's really naughty of me, but I'm so uninterested in that story. (laughs) Yes, of course, (laughs) I think about it in the context of markets, but I just feel like... Partial shutdown, we've seen them before. Debt ceiling debates, we've seen them before. They're will, they not going to let the U.S. default. No, exactly,
1: they're not. And everyone says it every year. Is there going to be volatility? No, because it's all politics and it's just all chat right before. They just agree to
0: lift it once again, right? And then agree to disagree on just about everything else. So we get growth data in the U.S. tonight. We get the Chicago PMI. We get jobless claims as well. And you reminded me that next week, is rba week it's the first tuesday of the month already and Comes we get rba <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think i'm aging literally <laughs> as we speak um but anyway should we go call it a yeah, day
1: let's do it it's an up day i think we deserve it yeah and
0: that's a cause for for celebration yeah, after exactly. licking
1: our wounds new month the new month friday it's all gonna be good <laughs> see you then bye